I'm shook. Welcome to Holly Shook. I'm Armin, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Ryan Alkire. How are you, Rye? Hi, Armin. I'm doing so amazing today. How are you? I'm great. Happy holidays, by the way, to you and to everyone listening. Yes, happy holidays. Happy New Year. And I hope that's the last time I have to say that because I'm so over it. (laughs) You have like three more weeks of that. It's all throughout January. I literally hate when people say Happy New Year at like the end of January. I'm like, yes, technically, if you look at like the ratio of how much longer of the year we have, it's still a new year. But like, I get like, I give it like three days, like after January, like third, maybe fourth, like it's over. Like we're in the new year. You broke your own rule. It's January 8th and you just wished me a happy new year. I said happy holidays. You were the one who went new year. But I only said that so that I could tell everyone that you're not allowed to say that anymore. Oh, I see. It was, you were segueing yourself. Yeah. It was clean. I couldn't even tell you did that. But yeah, happy whatever's. I hope everyone's doing great so far. I hope all the celebs have a very scandalous year. So we have a lot of things to talk about on this podcast. It's already been a pretty lit year. That it has. That's why we're coming at you. The first 2019 Holly Shook podcast is going to be a current events podcast, everybody. But before we get into all the current scandal, we do want to give a shout out to one of our Patreon supporters, Carrie Jo Morphis. She is a Shook supporter. There's three different tiers. There's Shaken, Shook, and Shooketh. She's a Shook supporter. So we shout you out once a month. And as a Shook Patreon supporter, you also get to ask us a question, which we will answer on the pod. Rai, do you want to break down really quickly what Patreon is for those who may not know? Shout out to Carrie. What's up? So Patreon is a really cool way for people who like our podcast to support us with more than just your amazing lessons, which we already appreciate so much. Um, all you have to do is donate. I think the minimum is like $2 a month. That gets you the um, exclusive podcasts. And every month we record two uh, podcasts that are similar to today's episode, current events podcasts that are only available to people on Patreon. And then uh, there's different tiers. So then if you give us a little bit more, you get little shout outs like this. You get to ask us questions. So there's actually a lot of really cool benefits to being a Patreon member, including the opportunity to listen to us talk more often than you already do. And it's, we really appreciate everyone who's been signing up for a Patreon already because it gives us the opportunity to put some more time and effort into our social media, into our branding, into just making sure that these podcasts are as best quality as we can get them. And producing more. If we reach 50 patrons, then we are going to add one more monthly exclusive podcast. So the more support you guys could give us, the more uh, podcasts we can even produce. And the more work I'm going to have to do, which you guys know I love doing work and putting effort into things. So um, the only way I'm going to do more is if you guys support us through Patreon. But seriously, if uh, for everyone who's been signing up for it already, we really appreciate it. And we still appreciate everyone who's not doing it. But get just so you know now, we can love you even more with a simple click. I mean, $2 a month. I don't even know what I spend $2 a month on anymore. So just do it when you're drunk one night and forget it ever happened. 
That's what I always do. That's how I buy my concert tickets. I'm always drunk when I buy concert tickets. Then I'm like, I guess I'm going to that show. I've realized. Like, and those usually paid. cost way more than $2. So people, yeah, you're getting bang for your buck. But mm-hmm. if you don't, we still love you. We still appreciate you. We love all our listeners. By the way, we'll leave a link in the description of the podcast so you could check out our Patreon. Uh, but otherwise, you could just go to patreon.com backslash Holly Shook. Pretty easy. Simple. Pretty easy. So let's get to Carrie Joe Morphus's submitted question. That's one of the benefits, right? Yes. Rye, what do you think of the new show, The Masked Singer? Once again, shout out to Carrie Joe. Great question, Carrie Joe. That is um honestly, I've been very intrigued by this masked singer moment that's going on because I saw commercials for it like the past few weeks. And I was like, what the fuck is going on in this room on this day? Like, what is this crazy mess of a show that they're about to put on TV? <laughs> it looks like an insane person's idea. But apparently it's like a huge hit in Asia somewhere. Is it Korean maybe? Yeah, Do the you know? original idea. Yeah, it's it's somewhere in uh, Asia. I'm not sure exactly which country. But yeah. And so essentially what... From what I've gotten, I haven't watched the first episode yet, but I um, have it recorded, so I do want to watch it. It, like, there's a celebrity, and they're, like, put in a giant costume, and then they have to dance and stuff with other people who are in costumes. And then there's more celebrities who are, like, judges or something, but then they're not judging them. They're trying to guess who's under the mask. That's what I got from it. Yep, that's exactly what it is. And then they have like a few clues to try to guess who is behind the mask. And is it like literal, like big name celebrities that are doing this? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of um, Lip Sync Battle. I was going to say we have this little celebrity reality competition show moment, seemingly because of the Lip Sync Battle show. Which I'm... The thing with it and that I kind of like was hesitant with lip sync battle was like our actual big name celebrity is going to want to like do that. No offense to like C or D list celebrities, but I was like, is it going to be all like C and D list celebrities that they get like really big names? They really do. And then you have like Chrissy Teigen and L Cool J hosting, right? Right. Which is so random. <laughs> but so I don't know. The mass Singer seems like such a fucking mess, but I'm kind of intrigued and I really... I feel like it's going to be that show that I'll watch the first episode and I'm going to like be obsessed with and watch all of it. I'm very curious as to why there's this huge uptick in celebrity participation in reality TV, but that's like a debate for another day or like that's like a sociological question. But I guess my only comment on this is that my favorite tweet about the mask singer, and I wish I could give this person credit, but I forgot who tweeted it, is that all the reality shows, all the fake reality shows on 30 Rock have now come to life. Literally. I saw that too. And the, everyone's responses were like, next up, like, Werewolf Bat Mitzvah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, I would die to watch Werewolf Bat Mitzvah. What was another one? There was Milf Island. Remember Milf Island? Milf Island. <laughs> um, I guess there, there basically already is Milf Island. Yeah. X on the beach. X on the beach. I don't know. Any dating show basically is Milf Island. 
Ugh, yeah, I just felt like that that tweet spoke to me. It's so true. I think also something that just makes me annoyed about this whole moment is like there are people. No, I'm not. I'm gonna say it, but there are people with really good ideas that are smart, not brainwashing TV that don't get picked up and don't get made, and yet this weird fucking idea, like put a celebrity in a giant costume gets picked up and turned into a big hit television show. And I'm like, what's the point of even don't dance around it, right? Just say what you want to say. Why isn't anyone picking up my TV show? That's what you really wanted to say. I wasn't going to say it, but yeah, all of my really good ideas that nobody's paid attention to are sitting in the, on the shelf. Nor have I submitted to any potential producers or showrunners or creators. I have multiple times and they just like ignore it because they're like, oh, we already picked up the mass Singer. Sorry. <laughs> Whatever. I'm going to watch it and love it, but I'm going to talk shit about it until then. <laughs> I need to hold off. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to transition to our normal segments or typical weekly segments. There's no light way to transition to this. So I just decided to do it abruptly. I hope that's okay with you. Okay. Brad. Yeah. Throw it in. So we like to do this segment called the scandal scale it's where we talk about like the biggest scandals of the week of the moment and then we rate it from a scale of shaken to shooketh with shook being medium and we're going to start off with a very heavy topic uh, but it's what everybody is talking about and that is the lifetime documentary series surviving r kelly and the whole fallout so right i'll quickly break it down because there's a lot to digest but We've known for a very long time that R. Kelly has had inappropriate relationships with minors throughout the years. He obviously was charged with 14 counts of child pornography. He was acquitted back in 2008, uh, but there were always the rumors of like R. Kelly and Aaliyah's marriage before she even turned 18. Uh, there have been rumors dating back apparently since 1994 of R. Kelly having this sort of sex cult where he recruits girls as young as 14, 15. And this documentary series explores all of this through many interviews by a lot of the young women that he abused and manipulated. And it's apparently, I haven't watched it yet, but I do want to watch it, but it's apparently just a devastating uh, documentary series to hear these, you know, horrific tales. And of course, R. Kelly has gone on to have a successful career with basically no repercussions. Now, the fallout from the documentary, people are starting to uh, disavow R. Kelly, different celebrities. R. Kelly's starting to sue Lifetime now. And even celebrities who have stood by R. Kelly and some celebrities who are staying quiet and decide not to be a part of the documentary series like Jay-Z, Dave Chappelle, Erica Badu, they are coming under fire for possibly being complicit. There is a lot going on here. And of course, there's even a person like John Legend, who is basically the only celebrity who agreed to be interviewed. And he's receiving a lot of praise for doing the interview and standing with all these other women. Right. What do you think of all this? Well, my first response is let's stop blaming other people who don't want to be a part of it and making them, like, the bad guy. There's one bad guy in this situation, and it's R. Kelly. I don't understand people's, like, first reaction to be like, oh, like, Erica Badu, you didn't, like, 
agree to be interviewed for this like thing like now you're at fault for all of this as well it's like fuck you guys like it is nobody's responsibility or requirement to speak out against anybody if they were affected if someone was affected by his actions it's not always easy to talk about especially people who are a victim to what he did one of the hardest things to do is to speak out about it especially with such a high profile case like you're instantly opening up yourself to like backlash from the whole world so i'm over the idea of people like saying that if you're not speaking out then you're like enabling if they don't want to speak out they don't have to speak out enough said about that you know but i disagree with you rye i <laughs> think there are some cases <laughs> <laughs> this podcast wouldn't be interesting if we didn't disagree. Um, no, but on a serious note, I do think that in some cases, especially if there were people that worked with him after he was charged with child pornography and there was a damning videotape, a lot of people were pretty shocked that he was not, you know, ultimately found guilty. And to totally stay quiet, it dep- I think it depends on the scenario. We don't need to you know, pull every single last celebrity. Like, okay, do you have like a high enough Q rating? Let's get your thoughts on this. But if you do have a strong connection to R. Kelly, I think it's worth digging into why these people did enable him and allow him to, you know, be such a prominent figure in public life while being such a predator. Because that does give him a platform to continue his predatory ways. Agreed. Um, Understand that counterpoint does every single person that plays remix to ignition at their parties also enable him to still have a platform because like god knows all of us have sang along to that song every time it's played at a bar like it's kind of a touchy subject because the people who work with him still have to continue their career and a lot of times sometimes they don't have the choice of if they want to work with this person or not like their managers or the record company or the producer or whatever gives them this option. And like, it's kind of hit or miss like Lady Gaga has been put under fire for not speaking out about it. But she also like, after everything came out about it, she like re-recorded her song with him, like, and took his part out. And like, they recorded a whole music video for that song. Do what you want with my body or whatever. And she never released it. Like, she I think it's probably- a case-by-case case scenario, but I do think there are instances in which a response is necessary. Or at least could be very helpful. Okay, agreed. Agreed, agreed that a response at least or a statement could be helpful. The thing, I guess the point of what I was trying to get to at the beginning is that I'm annoyed about one of the first comments about this subject is about the people who didn't speak out. You know, like, that shouldn't be the number one topic. Like, the topic should be, like, what a fucking creep and an asshole and, like, a disgusting human R. Kelly is. And I do think that is the predominant conversation. I do want to ask you this. You mentioned how whenever Remix Ignition comes on, there's a lot of classic R. Kelly songs. Whenever they come on, people listen to them, dance to them, sing to them. What did you think about the fact that apparently his 
like download rate, stream rate, all that kind of stuff across Spotify and iTunes, they all like significantly increased since the release of Surviving R. Kelly. Did that, did that shock you? That, sh- that kind of shocked me, although I'm not surprised, but a part of me was shocked because I don't feel comfortable listening to R. Kelly currently. Yes and no, because yes, because like it's gross in a way to think that people would be like, oh yeah, we're talking about how R. Kelly like molested young girls. I should go listen to that R. Kelly song that I really loved from middle school. Like that's a weird like chain of thought, but at the same time, like that's a natural chain of thought in a way. Like if this artist is being talked about like constantly is on your mind. So I don't know. It takes a weird type of person to want to like instantly go listen to R. Kelly because he's in the news for like a really bad reason. But it also, I don't know. It's that classic saying of like, no publicity is bad publicity. Damn. Is that true? (sighs) It's gross in this, you know, situation, but maybe for your reputation, it's bad, but it turns out for sales. It doesn't really affect stuff. If anything, like you like you said, it's good. It's improved his sales, which it's kind of abhorrent. Yeah, it's kind of disturbing, but that's the way our world works, I guess. I mean, they had to have like predicted or at least thought of that of that happening. It's all people have been talking about all week. So of course it's gonna somehow affect his product. I don't know. Needless whole, to say, I think we're both shooketh by all of this. Yeah, it's shooketh worthy. I'm extremely, I think that the fact that they released this docuseries is like amazing and it hopefully will, you know, lead to some sort of change in the way that we approach, you know, situations like this, believing victims when they come out to speak. Um, I definitely think the more we empower victims and give them the voice, the more we'll change this culture that Mm -hmm. enables and protects predators. Yeah, it's really fucking gross. And it's bigger than just the R. Kelly moment, too. If you look at like our society as a whole and how many of these type of situations we've seen being blown up in the past year, two years... And it's obviously not going to change overnight, but hopefully with stuff like this, it'll change in the long run. But you also never know. And I hate to be pessimistic, but I'm like, is it just going to be brushed over again like a lot of things do? Who knows? I don't know. I think the Me Too movement has been a powerful and effective movement so far. I I hope the wave continues. And I just want to add one more point. It's really saddening that R. Kelly could go over two decades with zero consequences when his behavior was fairly well known. And yeah. we've seen that as a theme uh, as this Me Too movement has progressed because there is Harvey Weinstein, who a lot of people suspected of being at the least an inappropriate guy and at worst, a rapist. Right. There were murmurs throughout Hollywood. There have been jokes on different sitcoms. I want to say Family Guy had made Harvey Weinstein jokes. I forget which show. But Difficult People, I've been rewatching Difficult People with Billy Eichner and Julie Klausner, 
And for all three seasons, they incessantly make jokes about how Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. has relationships with minors. They they would all constantly joke about it. People knew about Kevin Spacey's issues as well, but it was just kind of brushed under the rug. And that's really upsetting too. It's it's a lot. And And speaking of all that, our next scandal is the Drake video that resurfaced. It's from 2010, where Drake is like kissing and grinding on and sort of fondling a 17-year-old. And he asks her how old she is. She says she's 17. And then he says, man, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Um, He says, I can't go to jail yet. And he kind of just laughs it off. But now Drake has received a lot of scrutiny because there have been instances, other instances, uh, since 2010, where Drake has seemingly had inappropriate relationships with minors, he's been seen, you know, taking selfies that he, I think he himself has posted on Instagram, or maybe the other person did. Uh, but you know, taking Instagram selfies with 16-year-olds, and then when she, when the 16-year-old turns 18, they start dating or hooking up. We yeah. know that he has this texting relationship, friendship with Millie Bobby Brown, the star of Stranger Things, who was 14 years old, where he gives her dating advice. So now, like, there's a lot of light on Drake and his potential inappropriate activities with minors. Uh, Rai, did you see all this in the news? I saw murmurs of it. Um, I think it got lost. This, at least to me, got lost in a lot of other stuff that was going on. But when you bring up the other examples that you just brought up, especially Millie Bobby Brown, which was like the most, I always knew they were like, had some type of like relationship, but I always thought it was kind of like a meme moment where it was just like, Oh, LOL. Like what a funny friendship. And now I'm looking at it like a lot creepier. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's not hard, but like when you are a pop star or whatever the fuck he is, with such a large fan base and of course girls and boys and whoever from a young age are raised listening to Drake. You have that, like you naturally have that star attraction to them. I mean, like we had celebrities growing up that we were attracted to who were much older than 18. And I was like 12 backstreet boys, you know, NSYNC. Who was your first celebrity crush? Okay, well, weirdly, my first celebrity crush was Hayden Panettiere in Tiger Cruise, the Disney Channel original movie. No way! <laughs> but that was obviously, I was just, I don't know, I just really liked Hayden Panettiere for some reason. I want to say Amanda Bynes. Oh, Amanda, Amanda Bynes. Yeah, I want to say my first celebrity crush was probably Topanga from Boy Meets World. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was probably really into Sean from Boy Meets World secretly, but like I masked it as like Topanga. But um. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Cause you, you have that like star attraction to like your celebrity crush. And then if you were a 17 year old girl who loves Drake and you happen to be in the same club as him and he happens to look over at you and give you attention, like she of course would want to dance with Drake who wouldn't want to dance with Drake. I mean, not I said the pig, but like maybe other people. Oh, right. You know, you're dancing with Drake. I mean, I would, but not anymore. Cause now I know he's creepy as hell, but like, it's on Drake to like be a grown up and not be a fucking creep and a weirdo. Yeah, and, exactly. He's got to do his due diligence. And like, not to like age shame, but like, I'm 25 and I'm like, the idea of like getting with someone even who is like 
18 or 19, like, or a baby. I'm like, you're a baby. Like, it's just weird to me. Just to be super accurate, and this doesn't justify his actions or make them okay, but in 2010, he was 23. It doesn't make it okay. That person is still a minor. Even though um, he apparently isn't hooking up with these girls when they're 16 or 17, according to him, I still think there there is something predatory in seeking out a girl that is too young to consent and seem like sort of grooming them. You've heard this term grooming, right? Right. Because they they're so young and you know your, your brain isn't fully developed, your body isn't fully developed experientially, uh just in life. I'm not even talking about sex, like just experientially you you're still in the bubble of like high school. I mean, right. what do you really know? I mean, a lot of people could be more mature for their age and whatnot, but at 16 years old to engage in a relationship with someone twice your age uh to me is like totally inappropriate, out of line. Um, and some because some people are defending it, saying, "Well, you know, they're old enough; they're teetering on the line." Some states' age of consent is sixteen, and you know, I just think if you're Drake and and you are going after that after someone at that age, I think in its nature, it is a predatory action. Yeah, and there's obviously a difference between dancing with someone at the club and like making it more than that. But you know, one thing leads to another, and. When I was 16, I had a very public mental breakdown when I failed my freaking driver's license test. So, like, to have any more responsibility than that, I know I wouldn't have been able to handle. So, it's kind of like, I don't know. I'm like, Drake, you can get probably any girl in the whole freaking world. Maybe just, like, choose someone else. (laughs) Like, don't go for the high schooler. Everyone be better. Seriously. (laughs) Um, Okay, so on to a little bit lighter of moments, I would say. A little bit. Those were some heavy topics. At least something that I feel I might have a little bit more clout being able to talk about. Because sometimes I don't think that I can relate to everything that, you know, people are going through. But there's obviously the big drama with Kevin Hart and the Oscars, which we've already discussed on a different I think it was a Patreon exclusive podcast. Yeah, I think it was. So not everyone was able to hear it. But um, this week, the whole Kevin Hart shit came to fruition again. But this time with Ellen DeGeneres, our little Ellen, (laughs) who we think can do no wrong. A pioneer. Uh, Look, here's the thing. Look, look, look. So obviously Ellen like had Kevin Hart on her show and interviewed him and basically stood up for him. She claims to have called the Academy, which I'm like, how do you just call the Academy? Who who is have, the Academy? Do they have like a yeah. hotline or do you just Google the Academy phone number and just dial and then whoever answers is like the president of the Academy? Um, I think Ellen's hosted the Oscars, so she probably knows the person. <laughs> but uh, no, no, no. I think she called the you know the typical Academy hotline. We could all call it. It's like one eight hundred Academy. I also called them after I heard this interview. We had a different conversation, but um, <laughs> it was yeah. about me hosting, and they said I wasn't famous enough. Yeah, for some reason, I was like, "Hello, you've heard of my podcast." <laughs> so um, 
she like called the academy or whatever and was like he should be able to do it and then had him on his show and basically gave him an yet another opportunity to own up for his words apologize show and prove that he grew from it and that he doesn't feel that way anymore and yada 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 and yet again what occurred but a non-apology and basically just saying we all make mistakes and we've all said things let's just brush it off and let the guy host the oscars first off i'd rather freaking rip my eyeballs out than watch kevin hart host the oscars for four hours like i've said it once i've said it again i don't think i've ever seen kevin hart in a movie but i have no want to either like what is his appeal i don't get it i don't find him funny he he's funny like dane cook was once funny so he was funny for like four months and then he we realized he only has two jokes like okay cool (laughs) i don't know i'm just like of all the people like i would have i would have maybe understood kevin hart hosting the oscars like two years ago like when he was relevant but he's not anymore there are so many more relevant talented funny people who aren't homophobic and who don't want to beat their gay son um who could host the oscars (laughs) so maybe that should be like the first first thing on the checklist do they want to beat their gay son yes or no if yes cut him out of the running if no cool let's move on to the next thing that they have to qualify for um so he like basically like unapologized again he keeps saying, I'm sorry for, like, offending people or whatever. And, like... And they're also focusing a lot on the trolls. Like, nobody's really mad at it. It's just the trolls. And it's like... And Ellen was saying this, too. But Ellen it's like, said, Ellen, listen to the LGBT community itself. They are not trolls. And many in the LGBTQ community are upset by this. She said that all the people that are trying to break him down are just haters. And I'm like, first off, this is not 2008. Nobody used the words haters anymore. (laughs) And secondly, like, maybe people are upset about it because it's actually fucking insane that he said those things. And the thing about it is that, like, making jokes about being gay or, you know, like, jokes can about being gay can be funny if the punchline isn't that they're gay. Like, the punchline can't be, and they were gay. Right. You know? Like, there has to be substance behind it in order to be funny, especially coming from a non-queer person. If you're going to make a joke about being gay, like, it has to be... The punchline can't be that. Like, that's always been my thing. And even, like, when I go to stand-up shows in Chicago, I find that there's not a lot of LGBTQ, like, comedians doing stand-up. It's a very heteronormative community. And I, when I do see like gay comedians, there's like two different ones. There's the ones who rely on gay stereotypes to make the mostly straight audience laugh. And then there's ones who have like smart jokes about it. And like, I'm not saying that I'm always the one making smart jokes either, but like, there's just like, you can tell the line between just being funny, like making the cheap, easy joke or like actually making a smart clever joke about it his were not smart or clever his were rude and actually like violent inducing and 
like creepy and scary and not funny. I mean, where's the joke in if my son is gay, I'd beat him up. I just don't see how that's funny. Yeah. Still waiting on the punchline on that one. And here's the thing is like also what they were from a long time ago. Comedy has changed, you know, like political. I'm not the most political correct person in the world. We all know. But political correctness and what is kind of allowed and what's a little sensitive has changed over the years. Also, you keep saying like these were jokes from nine years ago, 10 years ago. But actually, there is proof that he has made homophobic jokes as recently as like 2015. And also, if there were jokes from if your defense is those jokes were from 10 years ago. Great. But then your next your next line should be, and I do not feel that way anymore. And I have realized what was wrong with them. And I apologize for ever saying that. And like, I don't think that those are funny anymore. He's just doing the classic non-apology of like, I'm sorry that you're sorry. I'm sorry that you don't like it. I'm sorry that you're a hater. I'm sorry that there's trolls out there. Not I'm sorry for my beliefs, you know? And if you go back to when this whole thing started, when this, when all the stuff resurfaced, every person, all the quote unquote haters on Twitter, every person's basically like first response was like, just apologize or say that you don't mean it anymore and say that you've grown and that your outlook has changed. That's all we want. And even if he from day one was like, I am sorry that I said that. I know I see why that is not funny. I see why that's offensive. I don't feel that way anymore. And I've grown. He probably would still be hosting Oscars to be honest. It's not like a a scandal. Things from people's past come up all the time. It doesn't always derail your career. It's how you approach it and how you own up to your actions that can make or break you and he just was still to this day is incapable of doing that and it's like very immature to me i'm just like you are a child bye i think kevin hart's monologue was definitely tone deaf for sure but i think within this interview ellen degeneres had an opportunity to push kevin hart to a place where he was more contrite, if she said, Kevin, this isn't just about haters and trolls. There are people who are who were genuinely offended and didn't feel like your apology was sincere enough. Like, can you address that? Like, can you address those remarks much more specifically? Because he kept on falling back on, hey, I already apologized at a press junket in 2011 when I was doing press for a movie. But she should have said, it's okay to apologize more than once. And I saw that discourse on Twitter and I agreed with it. You know, there was a lot of people in the LGBT community that were saying, hey, we understand that you may have once apologized, but then why is it a problem to apologize again rather than get super defensive? So Ellen had an opportunity there, but she sort of took the stance that like, she even at one point says, she says, as a gay person, I am sensitive to all of that. You've already expressed that it's not being educated on the subject, et cetera. But I feel like she sort of took the stance that I am going to be the representative of the LGBTQ community here. And often she has been in the past. Like I mentioned earlier, she's a pioneer. But she can't she can't take the stand that I am going to represent all the views of this community right now and apologize on everybody's behalf because that's just not the case right now a lot of people feel offended by him and mostly by his reaction I think like you said Rai a lot of people would have taken an apology 
but he has not only been defensive, but he's almost gone offensive <laughs> and he's gone on the attack since. That's yeah. just been the wrong way. And I think you're right, Rai. She had an opportunity in that interview format to kind of push him to a to a place where uh, he could have gone raw and vulnerable and maybe there would be a much different outcome where people could have rallied around him. I mean, we saw with Hugh Grant in the, one of our Holly Shooks, right, where I covered how he handled his scandal cheating on Elizabeth Hurley, where he just owned up to everything, said, I'm a schmuck, I'm an asshole, how could I do such a horrible thing? And then people applauded him. They loved him even more after. Right. He has dug himself further and further into a hole by not just owning up to his actions. And I don't know where his publicity team has been this whole time, because I'm like, girl, what? This is like media like handling 101 that apparently you guys skipped over but one of the things that he did that i thought was so stupid was like it was my moment i got to host the oscars it was on my bucket list it was just one of the career things that i had to accomplish and everyone stole my moment it should have been all about my happiness and then the trolls had to come after me because i was happy and people just wanted to tear me down remember that whole spiel yeah, and also, like, no offense, but um, the Oscars are my moment. The Oscars are my Super Bowl and most of the gay community's Super Bowl. And actually, in fact, we don't want you to host it. And it would actually ruin our happiness. And it's actually about us. So, no, right. Actually, it's Lady Gaga's moment. So, back <sighs> off. Too soon, first and foremost. <laughs> Having had just lost the uh, Golden Globe. Uh, well, she won one. She did win one. Um, not the right one, though. I think the thing that I'm actually most stressed out about is, like, who are they going to get to host this? Because I think it's in, like, a month. And I really, like, want to know who I'm, like, having to prepare to watch for, like, four hours. And... I called the Academy. You what? I called the Academy. Oh. Trust me, I've tried. You're hosting, um, Rye. Breaking news. I kind of want... Rye, did you hear that? You're hosting? You're hosting. Girl, you can't announce it like that. I need to have a bigger announcement. (laughs) I was going to do a whole thing on Instagram. (laughs) But I kind of just want Kevin Hart to disappear. I'm over him. I'm sick of hearing his name. I'm sick of seeing his face. Like, you're canceled. You're not hosting the Oscars. Like, thank you, next. You have previews for a new movie that's coming out that looks just as dumb as all your other movies. And I'm over it. Why are you famous? Bye. Doesn't he have, like, an NBA celebrity all-star game to play? I literally couldn't care less, and I don't know what the NBA is. <laughs> All right, Rye, let's wrap up here. Let's each give our mini scandal of a week of the week. This is a new segment. We typically do the breakups and hookups of the week. We're going to save that for next week. But for now, we're going to do a mini scandal of the week. This is where we each provide like a mini scandal that caught our eye. It's not a fully formed and fleshed out scandal. It may even just be developing just starting or it's just too small to deserve its own podcast like one day we are going to do a holly shook solely dedicated to r kelly for example but one of these probably doesn't deserve its own scandal so right i'm going to start it off here okay my mini scandal of the week is that pete davidson and kate beckinsale were reportedly flirting at a golden globes after party could there be a more mismatched, random, out-of-the-blue couple? Now, we don't well, know if anything happened. We don't know if any anything's going to come out of this. But they were apparently flirting. They were into each other. So random. Um, they're both, like, tall. 
Oh, that's like good. It's not just the age thing. I just feel like, I don't know, I have this like idea of Kate Beckinsale and like. I just imagine her always being like really serious and like slightly like sci-fi. Yes. Like kind of like an alien. Like I'm like, is Kate Beckinsale even a real person or is she like a robot? And then like Pete Davidson's like slightly a crack addict and like also a comedian. So I'm like, I don't know what they would even talk about. Well, she's like of underworld fame. I feel like she was like a really big actress during the early 2000s. My favorite Kate Beckinsale movie is Serendipity with John Cusack. Oh my God, is that her? That's her. I love Serendipity. Me and my mom loved that movie. We'd always watch it together. Like, because it was always on TNT and we'd rewatch it whenever it was on. My mom too, growing up. I think that's why I'm gay. (laughs) Um, I guess it just didn't take for me. Yeah. You were really close. I was close. Um, yeah, I was flirting on the line. <laughs> I didn't know that was Kate Beckinsale. Okay, yes, Kate Beckinsale. Um, so random. Underrated rom-com. Good- Underrated as hell. I love a good post-Golden Globes flirt session. So, like, I feel like there's always, like, one couple that kind of, like, you know, the Golden Globes you get wasted at. So, it's kind of fun that, like, they're just drunk and they're like, we're at the Golden Globes. It kind of... Um, I wonder if the Golden Globes like, has a history of, like, birthing couples, celebrity couples. Like, I'd love to look, look into the history of that, like, see if if that's a thing, you know? I would love that to be a thing because the Golden Globes look freaking lit as hell and would be so fun, so... And you're right, like, you have all these celebrities in a room together. Drinking. Drinking, eating, touching. Like, something has to come out of that. Kate Beckinsale, Pete Davidson. Mm. Although I think he needs to not have a celebrity relationship for a little bit. But hey, <laughs> who am I to say? Um, my little mini scandal of the week also slightly de- deals with the Golden Globes, of course. And I don't really know much about it because I think it already got squashed. But there was um, like drama with Chrissy Metz from This Is Us. Um, apparently, in her interview on the red carpet, she thought... I think it was like she thought her mic was off or something. And then she was talking about Allison Brie, who's from Glow. And it's it's hit or miss of what she actually said, but people thought she said, Oh, she's such a bitch. Right. And, like brought up Allison Brie, but she denied it though. She denied it and said no. She said she's such a babe or something. And people were like up in arms because Christy Metz is like America's sweetheart, like this is us, like breakout star of the year. And same with Allison Brie, you could say. So they were like, oh my God, America's sweethearts are feuding. But like, apparently right when it got like released by TMZ, Chrissy Metz was like, are you joking my ass? Like, no, that is not what happened. So I just thought that was like a funny little moment because I love a hot mic. Like when someone thinks their mic is off, but it's not and they say something, I love that moment. So Favorite hot mic moment of all time, right? Well, I don't want to ruin it, but did y'all see the jinx on HBO? (laughs) I was... Going to say the jinx for myself too. Robert Durst, hot mic, finale, unbelievable. Greatest without, hot mic of all time. Without saying too much, yeah, don't give it away, but great little hot mic moment. This is what we could say, and it gives nothing away. He was gurgling and garbling and making like yeah. nauseating sounds. Remember that? And also peeing. <laughs> Go watch the jinx on HBO. But um, Going back to non-creepy serial killers, Chrissy Metz, Allison Brie, their drama is squashed. They both have talk- said publicly that they love each other and that would never be a thing. Right. So, I have a genius idea. What? 
Chrissy Metz, Alison Brie should host the Oscars together. Host the Oscars. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Squash their Golden Globes beef at the Oscars. Although the last time we had a duo host the Oscars, it was not the best moment. Yeah, but that was James Franco, so. And Anne Hathaway. And Anne Hathaway. Um, We forgive Anne Hathaway, though. Okay, fine. I'll call the Academy and I'll suggest Christy Metz and Alison Brie. Fine. I'll call them again. How many times do I have to call them to make this shit happen? Was there a Subruder film? Was there a what? A Subruder film. You know, like the Subruder film with JFK? Mm-hmm. Like, was there like audio and film to be able to dissect and see, oh, did she say bitch or did she say babe? Or from was what it- I, uh, From what I saw, there is no like recording that you can go back and look at. So it's kind of just like... I'm taking her word for it. So but I'd love hey, to read I, her lips, you know, if that's possible. Or if, if it's I, just the audio, it's harder to tell. If, yeah. Especially with all the noise going on on the red carpet. But yeah. I mean, look, I'm going to give Chrissy Metz the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to try to villainize Chrissy Metz this early in her career. <laughs> give it a couple years. Give it a couple years. We'll villainize you. Okay. <laughs> Can't wait for Chrissy Metz's Holly Shook episode. <laughs> From the, the time Super. she called Allison Brie a bitch. Uh, love that. Well, those are like our little mini scandals of the week. And then we're going to, what, we'll be back next week with a, or this week with a full Holly Shook episode. This week, we have a historic scandal brought to you by Ryan Alkire himself. Yes, it is a interesting one. It goes a little bit off the beaten path from our usual episodes. It's so a doozy. look forward to that. It's a doozy. And then next week, uh, we got more to come. I'm going to give you a scandal. We're going to have an exclusive scandal podcast, current events scandal podcast on patreon.com backslash Holly Shook. But Keep in touch with us, everyone. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Holly Shook Pod. Of course, subscribe wherever you listen. And we hope you enjoyed uh, this week's podcast. Thank you so much, Rai, for doing this as always. Thanks, Army. So good talking with you. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. We hope you join us next week. <laughs>